Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is the Epistle Lesson appointed for the 11th Sunday in Pentecost. I read to you from Ephesians chapter 4, starting on the 17th verse through to the second verse of chapter 5. This I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Therefore, be imitators of God and walk in love as Christ loved us, loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Thus far the text, I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, through your word, you bless your children. Through your word, you give us life. Open our ears to receive, Lord God, and bless us with faith to receive and to believe. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord, friends, in a recent conversation I had with Pastor Davidson Kay from Kenya, I asked him what we uh, what what uh, we should do as a church, how we should uh, pray for his congregation. We were discussing the needs of both our churches, and I told him that we have an aged congregation which is facing its share of challenges. Some people we love, for instance, are struggling with health issues such as cancer and dementia, and other age-related health issues. Pastor Kay responded in very much the same way. He said, here, we're doing pretty good. There are a few with some small complications like that of diabetes and blood pressure. Maybe, this is what he said, maybe what I request to pray for is that Christians know Christ as their savior because most of them come to church but are still following their bad practices and culture. Don't we all? Our minds too are often cluttered with our old ways 
we too fall back on our old practices and our old customs. And it happens frequently when we step out of the doors of this place. Sometimes it even happens while we're here. Just think of the malice that you bear against your neighbor or any lust that fills your heart. And I'm not just talking about sexual desires here. I'm talking about that deep burning longing that you have in your heart that seeks out to fill that desire of anything earthly, money, uh, material things, uh, power, vainglory, and so on. Even the smallest of those desires, uh, the things that seem like wisps or threads that just brush up against us are problematic in our Christian walk, problematic in that even as thin as they are, they still occupy the mind. And I do mean occupy the mind. Lest we forget, it only takes a single strand to fill a room. Even the nave of this church, as big as it is, could be overwhelmed by a single strand of thread if the thread were long enough. And the thread is always long enough. Just think about the tangle that occupies your spirit when you're tempted to any one of the sins that has ensnared you even just this past week. It was only one thread. One thread that extended between you and Satan and death, for the wages of sin is death. And it should have been avoidable. It should have just been a wisp that you could have brushed away, but it completely clogged up your mind. You no longer saw God before you, but you said you saw that sin and you saw yourself. That's what happened to Adam when Satan's temptation said you can be like God. But think also of how your mind got clogged up as you, as you tried to recover from that sin. Maybe you tried to justify your actions before God. Maybe you promised that you'd never do that sin again. Maybe you dragged out that uh, age-old lame argument that what you did was only sin back in the days of the Bible, and that those things are no longer sinful given the much more permissive society in which we live. It's not the way you learned Christ, Paul says. Those threads that fill your head, they're ropes, they tie you down, and they don't belong there. Jesus won your salvation, and as a result, God has changed your mindset from one of futility to one that is new. You were sinners prone not to look to God at any time, but now you are renewed in the spirit of your minds, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Your transition from sinner to saint came about by means of the cross. You're confident in that as Christians. No sin can befall you that's greater than God's capacity to forgive. Jesus died for it, died for it all. And you trust yourself into that death, dying with him daily in the remembrance of your baptisms and rising with him daily to newness of life. God's righteousness, which is imparted upon you through Christ, well, that causes you to love what's right. Lord, I love the habitation of your house and the place where your glory dwells. You rejoice in singing that and look forward to the day when it will happen. And you say, oh, how I love your law. It's Psalm 119.97. That because God has imparted his holiness upon you. Sure, you still, uh, sure, you still sin. Sure, you still fall short of the glory of God. But the sight of sin ultimately troubles your heart. Now your sins convict you. Now you find it unpalatable to hang out with those who lack morality. 
now, albeit in a limited way because of your still sinful and inescapably human natures, you're finding yourself to be imitators of God as his beloved children. And where scripture exhorts you to walk in love, you find yourselves reflecting upon how Jesus walks with you. You may still stumble over your bad practices and your sinful culture, but when you hear words like, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice, or words like, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, you find yourself saying, Amen, and praying, may it be so in my life that I would be a testimony to my God who loves me. This, this all happens because you share God's heart. This all happens because you have been changed, because you have been made new. This all happens because you share the same desires that, that God has, that all people be saved as you have been saved. You're children of the cross. You're redeemed by God's grace. God sealed you for the day of redemption. Pray that he helps you to constantly remember that gift of your heritage that you have as a Christian. And don't simply come to church while following bad practices and, and culture, falling away as some do, craving the Holy Spirit. I'll leave you with Psalm 62.7 as your key verse for this week. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. The rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. Rest in your salvation and rest in God's glory. Abide in that refuge and not in your earthly ways that you have life to eternity. Once again, that key verse is Psalm 62, 7. On God, my salvation and my glory rest. My, the rock of my strength, my refuge, is in God. May God bless you to remember that you are his redeemed children by the blood of his one and only Son. And may he bless you as he alone can do, that you live in the newness of your life, hating sin according to God's imparted holiness, and loving what's right according to God's imparted righteousness. These gifts are yours to treasure and to live by now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you. You come to us. You impart newness of life upon us. And in that newness of life, Lord God, you tell us to turn away from the old, to leave it behind us. We ask that you bless us to do so, Lord God, that you help us to see with um, your righteousness what is right and with your holiness what is sin and help us to steer clear of those things. Help us also to have a voice of proclamation about who you are to the rest of the world so that others may be saved. This we ask in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus, who is the Christ. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. Amen.